My name is Georgiana. I am CEO and founder of BeagleCat, and soon you will be listening to Employer Branding, the Inside Podcast. In this podcast, I regularly talk to employer branding managers, talent acquisition managers, and human resources managers in tech companies in Germany, Romania, and the US. For more content on employer branding-related themes, go to employerbranding.tech or beaglecat.com. Stay tuned! Hi everyone, this is Georgiana with the new episode of Employer Branding, the Inside Podcast. Today I'm talking to someone whom I've been stalking for a very long time on LinkedIn and he finally accepted to talk to me. We met in person and today we meet online and we're going to share a lot of interesting insights. I mean, he's going to share a lot of interesting insights on diversity and inclusion. His name is Mark Serunyogi. Am I pronouncing correctly, Mark? Yes. Yes, welcome. Thank you so much for being with us today. Mark works at Zalando as an employer branding manager, and he's also an employer branding strategist, but I'll let him introduce himself because that's how it should be. <laughs> well, thank you so much for already that introduction. Um, yes, yeah, so my name is uh, Mark Ivanson Joji, and I work at uh, Zalando as employer branding uh, manager. Um, I have been doing employer branding now for about uh, four years. And uh, before that, I was working in uh, digital marketing, um, advertising, mm -hmm. and also done um, a lot of, of general, I would say, marketing and communications uh, related work. Um, yeah, pretty much for about 10 years now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does seem that way because we share a kind of similar uh, background and it was really nice when, when I first met you to be able to talk about all these topics that are somehow somehow related. We, we spoke a lot about what happens in Berlin at the moment in terms of employer branding, what, what happens in terms of recruitment, especially in tech companies, right? And I was complaining to you, sort of, that I hear a lot of talk and very little action when it comes to actually implementing policies. And you shared my point of view. Why would you say that happens? I think, I think of, first of all, I think it's even an interesting time now because even from when we talked the first time, I already feel like the market is changing again in a, in a different direction where when we were talking, we were still in that sense that, um, you know, that hiring is in general uh, really, really hard, especially for teams that are hiring uh, people in tech. And it seems that this, that a lot of people are having the same conversations over and over again about like how hard it is, but we haven't seen a lot of uh, conversations around like, okay, what are actually the tactical or strategical solutions yeah. that, can, that can help here? Even if everybody is hiring at the same time, it's hard to find those really, really good case examples of, of, of where people are turning things around. Or then when it comes to specifically even employer branding, um, it's also rare to get those uh, cases where you see like, wow, they really were able to solve uh, their problem from end to end, you know, employer branding, recruiters, yeah. uh, people and hiring team, like as one team, as one unit. It's always like you have a little bit here, a little bit there, um, but but like really thinking about um, not only employee branding but talent attraction, talent acquisition, and talent retention as as part of one big whole. Mm -hmm. And maybe in a way, just I don't know, think 
of the marketing funnel and then try to replicate it to the recruitment marketing or just simply the recruitment funnel. I think that can also be a, um, a solution that some recruiters and marketers could, could adopt. Um, but anyway, you're one of the very few people that I know who has been doing employer branding for quite a while. This is rare, okay? Usually you would have people from HR who are transitioning into employer branding or people from marketing such as me who are doing the same thing. I'm wondering in, in all this time that you've also, in which you've also done marketing and you've had a lot of involvement with diversity and inclusion, what do you feel has changed in employer branding? What, what have you learned? What are the key takeaways, if I can say so? Um, wow, yeah, I feel like I've learned so much, like it can be hard to really make it concrete. But even as you said, like, the first starting point was that I came in as a marketeer, and I still consider myself to be a marketeer, and look at, yeah, <laughs> and look at recruitment as really like, you know, that we do have like a marketing funnel that we that we need to go through. Um, and I've learned that that a lot of things are um, what you call it that you can adapt them from the marketing space into re to recruitment. You know, I still think about um, the role, let's say, the company culture in the end, yeah. uh, like a product. Like that is a product that I am I am trying to sell. I'm trying to make candidates really believe in this product and buy into it. Um, and hopefully, once they bought it, meaning once they are hired, they are they are happy and they're not asking for any uh, returns. Mm -hmm. So I still think of it in terms of like marketing and selling a product mm -hmm. aspect, but being very, very mindful that we are dealing with people, that we're dealing with actual human beings and their lives. And especially if we're asking people to relocate as well for a job, um, there is a responsibility to make sure that these people and their families are having a good experience when they are joining um, this company and when they merge their lives, their dreams and their hopes um, with this, uh, with the company. So I think what I've learned is coming from marketing is like how important the people space really is and how I'm such, like so honored and in awe of being, of being uh, a part of that work. Um, but also that it can be really, really beneficial to a company when it's done well, almost as, as much as it can be really, really detrimental to a company when it isn't done very well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I know you, you advocate a lot for, for diversity, and I didn't get to ask you this in person. Why is this a topic that's so important for you? Um, well, first and foremost, it's also a, a personal topic. You know, I am, I am a Black man from Denmark, so I'm part of a minority. I also identify as, as queer, so <laughs> kind of double minoritized in that sense. And um, growing up, I definitely... Uh, felt like I missed role models in in my own life that I really could look up to and that I could follow in their in their footsteps. Um, but also a few times having experienced um, discrimination or being unsure if if something that happened to me was because of discrimination or that I didn't get some opportunity because of 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 my name or you know things being very, um, sounding very promising over the phone. But then when I show up for the interview, I can already see on the recruiter's face that there's something that's not matching expectations. Yeah. So feeling that once I, I really got into, you know, working and having my career going, um, this idea of like, how can I give give back some more to to society or like to community around me? 
um, that is where I, I, I fell in love with employer branding, like coming from marketing, mm -hmm. uh, loving working with brands, of course, and, and, and the products that I've been a part of, but kind of missing that part of like, how do I, I give back some more? And employer branding felt like the, a way that I can combine mm -hmm. all the aspects of, of doing marketing, which I love, but focusing on people, but also looking at how do we then also um, create um, more, uh, yeah, more, I wouldn't say more opportunity, but creating easier access for people um, that are also minoritized yeah. and also showing that, that, uh, that we all have value that we can add yeah. to the, to the company. Mm -hmm. I, I absolutely agree. And I, I remember discussing this topic with you over coffee when we met and we said that it's in the end, it's all about being open-minded and just taking everyone into account, regardless of age, background, sexual orientation, or whatever. And so I'm, I'm wondering, in the end, where does employer branding overlap with diversity and inclusion in, in a way that companies can apply? I think for me, um, and this is not to, to, to belittle it, but for me, it's, it's very simple in the sense of like, when we talk about employer branding, we talk about what is an attractive workplace mm -hmm. and how do we you know how do we want to brand and market this uh, attractive workplace so that it becomes top of mind of people yeah and for me um obviously as also being someone who is uh, a minority in europe an attractive workplace for me is an inclusive workspace so for me those two points are very much aligned like then they can't really be separated uh, a good workplace is where you feel that you are appreciated you are acknowledged, uh, you can have an impact, you can learn, you can grow. There is space for you to come as you are, but also to grow into uh, who you want to become. Um, and acknowledging that that we are all different people, um, not only based on our gender or our uh, race or sexual orientation, but we are all individuals and we all have different paths and different ways that we grow and different needs. So and a good workplace is actually a place where, yeah, we have structure, we have processes in place, we have rules, guidelines, principles, but how are we also inclusive within that framework to be adaptable to all the individual needs? And the more flexible we are, well, the more attractive we are to different kind of people. And so if we say we want the best, well, the best can come in many different packages exactly. and we need to be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. And actually research recently shows that the more diverse and antagonic in a way or antagonistic, I'm not sure in a way a team is, the better it is for the success of the company and the, and for the cooperation that it is. Because we're coming in with our different exactly. uh, mindset, our different experiences. Yeah. And so when we look at solutions in different ways, we actually can, in the end, yeah. complement each other. Or even if there's a little bit of disagreement, we might even make our arguments even stronger than they were because we need to account for whatever gaps we missed the first time around. Mm -hmm. And like, like one of my guests in a previous episode was saying, if, if I, for example, was working with another 40 Georgianas in a company, that would be extremely boring or we would end up fighting a lot. Yeah. So, and I'm not talking about constructive fighting. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think, I think it, it really makes sense to just, like I said, broaden the horizons or the policies when it comes to recruitment 
and then yeah just just get the best out of everyone in the end and, um, one more practical question if i can call it that way would you say it is easier for for bigger companies such as the one you work with but let's yeah not mention necessarily zalando is it easier for a bigger company a company that has more financial means to set in place this sort of strategies or is it something that every every company every founder can look at i think one is something that that every every founder can look at and, and put in place of course the bigger you are and the more resources you have it is easier to support the choices or the decisions that you can make in leadership of saying i want to support this or i want to have an explicit diversity and inclusion strategy or i want it to have to be baked into our values or in our, our uh, development framework or the way that we evaluate our, our um, employees. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that this can start even when, with the very small startups of saying, you know what, okay, uh, do I want to have this be ingrained into my organization from the beginning, like so that people think about us and think about our brand, already think of this as like an inclusive place. And I think this is some of the things that I've been noticing that is um, new in, Berlin, in the Berlin landscape is that I've seen, you know, more small startups that are actually thinking about inclusivity and thinking about employer branding from the beginning and thinking like, oh, this is not an add on for us to add on later. This is actually something that we need to have now to be able to attract you know, good people that are willing to come into this company at a very, very early stage and believe in us, but also for them to take a stance in terms of, let's say, investors and, and VCs of saying this, these are our principles, these are our values, mm -hmm. and this is also how we intend to grow and how we intend our company culture to grow um, with, the, you know, with the, the, the staff base or as we are, you know, gaining more customers. And that is something that I, that I think is is a sign of the times is, is, is that it's, it's gone from being uh, something that is like a nice, nice, nice to have in like the, the fourth or, or fifth iteration um, of a company development, but even coming closer to the beginning stages of thinking of how do you actually build a good company? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think you're completely right. And I, I spoke to one very, very, how could I put it, an insightful founder, um, last week and the episode is going to be out soon and he, what happened is that he reinforced again for me the fact that the values of the company and the politics the politics and the policies of a company in the end are going to be an extension of the personal values of the founders mm -hmm. so you know from the very beginning when there's just 20 people in the company if the founder or the founders are set on really sticking to a certain type of culture then that is going to be the way they go as they yeah. go. It is going, it, it really, really sets the foundation in such a, I want to say, in such a foundational way, but it, but it really does. Uh, way, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it, it doesn't mean that things cannot change, of course. And I've also seen that even for myself and companies that I've, that I've been in, that things can change over time and people, you know, can learn and people can grow and they can uh, make new decisions and which is of, of, of course completely valid. Um, but it really starts with, with those decisions done in, in, taken in leadership.
And that's why I would say that, yes, money helps, resources help, having a, a big staff of like more than a thousand people helps, yeah. but but even, even a small company can have leadership that makes the decision from the beginning. Totally. And I have to also tell you that they don't have any trouble recruiting. Because right. Yeah, I could imagine. I could imagine. Because, I mean, that's also sometimes when I think, if you just think as a person, um, if I have to be biased, it's like, of course I want to work somewhere where, where you know, it's nice and comfortable and, and people are, are treated well and people are being considered. And when my colleague is, let's say, going on maternity leave, that uh, they are getting like a nice package, well taken care of. When they come back, we are we are ready. Or you know, someone who is sick or someone who has a sick family member, that you know that we all can band together and really be, uh, I would say, at least friendly. If not friends, then being friendly and and being kind and showing kindness to each other. It's like, exactly. like how does that sound like a bad company? I don't know. Like <laughs> that's a place where I would like to work. No, it does not. It does yeah. not. So this means that there is hope for all companies, and that and that also means that not having enough money is just an excuse, in the end, right? Yeah, I would. Yes, you said it. You said it. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> money is. I mean, money is not an excuse. Um, as well, I say, like sometimes it's not. Let's not overcomplicate it. Like being nice is not. Com it's not really complicated. Mm -hmm. So. People say like, oh, this is not about being nice. This is this is business. It's like, correct. But we can always make a decision about what kind of business uh, we want to be and, and how we want to, how we want to to practice that. Um, so, yeah, every, it's never too late to start. And it's it's never too there's there's not a point where you can have made so many mistakes that you can't try to rectify them or, or do them over. I agree. And I, and I think that a lot of times with companies, um, the fear of beginning this work is actually the fear of facing the mistakes that they have made in the past. Not only in terms of DNI, but in general, when it comes to to people management. You know, when you want to revise, I don't know, you want to revise um, promotion standard. It can be hard to go through that work because you have to, you know, to have to realize that wow, we've been doing it really bad and doing it really in the wrong way until now. Um, and I think it's very human to be to be afraid of that. And that's that's actually the bigger challenge than actually having money. It's really about like facing the things that need to be better. And in many cases, that list is is long. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, it is. There's one more one more direction I'd like us to to look at um, before we end this episode. We also talked when we met about how, in a sense, employer branding in Europe is a bit behind, let's say, when compared to uh, the United States, for example, or even the UK. And um, I was telling you that to me, it seems like it, it's sort of the, the history is sort of repeating itself because when I was starting with content marketing and digital marketing about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I learned everything I learned by myself from the US and mm. at that moment in Europe and especially in Eastern Europe where I was at the time, nothing was happening. And I, I even brought this topic into discussion with, with James Ellis and he confirmed that indeed that is the situation. US is better positioned mm. than, than we are when it comes to employer branding. So why, why do you think that is? What's your take on it? Well, um, 
you know, with a little bit of fear of sounding very, very um, socialist. But I think it's because th that American is, is, is just much more of a developed capitalistic market. Like when, we, when you look at business, like that is really kind of like almost like the birthplace of, of business and how they do things there. Like things are highly competitive. Um, they have less uh, governmental uh, subsidies and support than 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 we do, as far as I as, as I am aware. Mm -hmm. So when it, even when it comes to talent and when it comes to to people, there's so much more competition in terms of like how do you get people to want to work for you. Also, you know, the U.S. is a is a is a com is a country that is almost the size of half a continent, and yet there there's much more um, tradition. To be moving states for for jobs and moving states for work so people have also culturally more used to traveling for the right opportunity which means that even when you are on the east coast you can uh go and take a job on the west coast which means that that those companies are essentially still in the same market even though they are on each side of of, of the continent and so that kind of competitiveness when it comes to companies when it comes to um, people, and especially also a company that is driven by innovation, technical advancement, which is, of course, all supported by the money that is made in that market. Mm -hmm. Having the people and having the right people come in um, when you need them is, is very, very important. It's something you need to have here and now. And then that need to have a role like an employer branding, some, someone who comes in and helps the company uh, showcase and tell the story of why they are the right place to be working. Um, that's where where that is born as well. And I think that that is moving now over here because we are catching on and there's there's much more competition with tech companies in Europe, with uh, pharmaceutical uh, companies. Um, also now we have fintech that is that is that is blowing up and trying to be non-traditional from the banking system. Mm -hmm. So with these advancements and with more of them on the market of course then you you need also there someone who does the marketing for you as a company because you're not just selling a, a product anymore you're also selling a workplace indeed indeed and speaking about selling the the workplace i i have many acquaintances and friends in in berlin and in romania that are tech recruiters and talent acquisition managers and hr managers and I know about their huge workloads and I know how difficult it is for them to have someone on the team to help with employer branding because they are, like I said, overworked, overburdened mm. all the time. So I get the feeling that there are things not working in recruitment. And of course, this is something that we can all agree to. I'm wondering, are there any ways we can we can change the status quo? Are there systems we can put in place, processes? We're not going to solve this over this episode for sure. <laughs> but just, you know, exchange a few ideas maybe on the topic. Sometimes I think, um, this is just, of course, my personal observation. I'm sure someone could be listening and, and highly disagree. But from my observation, I feel that sometimes recruitment and the recruitment um, process is centered too much around um, the client or the customer as the ones who are hiring versus having the candidates and people applying to be the customer or the client. And I, and I feel like that skews a process where um, processes or workloads, um, they tend to be a lot because they're centered around like making 
uh, a customer happy. And if you're dealing with the mindset that the customer is always right, well, then when people say, we need more, we need more, work more, work harder, close more roles, well, if they're never, if they're always right, well, then that means that that's what you need to be doing um, at the expense sometimes of, of on the candidate experience. Yeah. And I feel like if we turn that around, and of course, I am also being being biased as an employer branding manager, because I would like that anybody that I um, motivate to go apply for a role mm-hmm. or, or go interview with my colleague, that they have the best experience so that they don't come back and give feedback that, that the impression they had of the brand is wrong. So of course, my bias is that the processes should be much more centered around the candidates. Um, but that's also because I feel like that is where where the reputation and where the brand lies. Like they are the people that will, based on their experience, mm-hmm. go out to the world and say, this is a great company. This is a great brand. What you see is what you get. Or they will go out and say, I interviewed there. And I can tell you that that is not true because I had a very, very bad experience. So as you said, we can solve it in one podcast, but I, I really, really encourage to think about like, how do we build these processes so that, that, that we, we send to the candidate and not only good candidates, because we never know who is a good candidate. Uh, the person who's a bad candidate today can be a good candidate in six months, exactly in a year, mm-hmm. or that quote unquote candidate that isn't a right fit will can go out and really make damage to your reputation to the point that you actually that actually reaches people that are your target audience. Mm-hmm. So, so, so reputation management is actually something that we need to be doing with every candidate that we are in touch with. That means that the process should need be, to be centered around that. And if we have too many roles or dealing with too many people that we don't get back in time, yep. that um, we end up ghosting people, right. that, you know, that there's a lot of miscommunication. So annoying. Well, we make it, we make things harder for ourselves, mm-hmm. for the candidates, but especially also the brand. If we say that we, if we do believe that, that mm-hmm. the employer brand is, is, is an important thing. Yeah. And that's where it should come into place in helping you attract better candidates and not more candidates because that's not what you need you need exactly. people who are good for the roles in your company you don't need everybody to apply exactly exactly of course we always have these metrics that are showing us okay how many how many applications do we need usually for filling a role etc and that is true but again we how do we shift that mindset from from quantity to quality because yes it could be that you need you know a hundred uh, applications to get uh, one higher, maybe, usually. Uh, but at the end of the day, you need that one yes. You need that one good fit in time that when you give the offer, they accept the offer. Yeah. So maybe so maybe we should focus less on getting those 100 applications because that's what the data says and more of like, how do we make sure that we get to the point where we have that one good fit uh, and also at the right time? Yeah. Um, and even if we then mean that we only reach um, 30 people because we took our time, we were more diligent, uh, well, the end result will still be the same, right? We got we got our hire and we mm-hmm. and we we had 29 other people who got rejected, but they actually had a good experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the one person who actually made it to the interview did not have to go to 15 or 17 steps to get hired. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, indeed. Mark, this has been so much fun and insightful, just like the first time we met. 
Thank you so much for talking to me. Unless there's someone else you'd like to share? No? I mean, thank you so much um, for having me. And uh, it's been a joy to talk with you uh, as well. And uh, yeah, I hope whoever's been listening that they've been enjoying it. Yeah, of course. And that for sure they will get something out of it. Thank you so much and good luck. Thank you.